Welcome to Fifth Draw Wild, everybody. I'm your host, Matt, and this week we are concluding our series on Sailor Moon with our guest, Shannon. Did you enjoy these multi-part series? Do you wish we'd go back to standalone episodes? Your feedback is important and will help shape this show, so let us know. Now, let's wrap up Sailor Moon. Enjoy! Previously on Fifth Draw Wild. Literally the entire story of Sailor Moon. Start to finish. And I'm very proud of myself for not crying while talking about it. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to start with um, the 90s anime and kind of move forward. And we're going to kind of be talking about how all these different things, um, what they do differently, what they might do better, what they do worse than the core uh, manga story. So let's start with the big one. Uh, the absolute biggest and most important of all of them, um, the vampire stage musical. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. That's mainly just to mess with Chris Sims if he's, if he's listening. Um, it's so bad. Yep. No, what we're going to do is we're going to start with the 90s anime. So um, just in broad strokes, what do they do differently? Because a lot of stuff changes. Oh, boy. Also, real quick, there's two Dracula musicals, oh, just dear. so everyone knows. <laughs> they okay. only watched one of them on Sailor Business. There's another one, and it's just as bad. Uh, I think I know why they only watched the one, then. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, the 90s anime is kind of considered the version of Sailor Moon, because it's the one everyone knows. Uh, in my opinion, it's also kind of the weakest version of Sailor Moon, as, for, as far as story goes. It's... Sure, as you guys will notice from last episode, every time I was like, this cool thing happened, it didn't happen in the 90s anime. <laughs> but I also mentioned uh, the 90s anime was kind of being made around the same time as the manga, so they would definitely reach points where like, they had to wait for Naoko Takeuchi to kind of catch up to them. And Naoko Takeuchi very famously kind of doesn't like the 90s anime. She wasn't happy with a lot of the direction they went. The 90s anime kind of adds a male gaze to Sailor Moon, which was never there originally. Sail the manga was, it was by a woman, four little girls, starring almost exclusively female characters. So when they got to the 90s anime, uh, everyone was suddenly like more stereotypes of girls instead of like more fleshed out characters. There's a lot more upskirts. There's a lot more girls caring about having boyfriends. There's... A suddenly male characters that are trying to be someone's girlfriend or, or someone's boyfriend and just how like Momaru is like the biggest jerk but still framed like you're supposed to like him and I don't know there's just there's so many weird decisions made in the 90s anime that it's almost hard to find a place to start because like a good starting point would probably be why does Momaru look like he's 45 years old and they say that he's in college and he's dating a 14 year old that he doesn't even seem to kind of like because he's very cruel to her. Yeah, um, every 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 version I hear about with the 90s anime of Momoru and Yasagi, just oh, like I don't feel good after hearing about it. It's real creepy. Yeah, I don't. It's just like, every time I watch the 90s anime, I feel like I should do a drinking game. Be like, that was a weird decision. Take a shot. But I would die. <laughs> probably somewhere in the middle of R. And <laughs> I just, I, I don't want to die of alcohol poisoning because of Sailor Moon. But I, guess, I guess that would be an appropriate way to go, but I'd like it to not happen. 
but yeah, um, like, the first season's pretty close, like, it's the Dark Kingdom saga, and they still have Beryl and all the Shinteno. The Shinteno are there for way longer than they should be, to the point where they all seem very incompetent. But that's a trend that happens with every single sailor uh, villain. Like, uh, Jedi's there for, like, 30 episodes or something. It might be closer to 20. Too many. After, like, the third failed business that didn't get the Sailor Scouts and the Sailor Scouts didn't recognize him immediately, you think they would change plans? (laughs) But... That's bi- that's the biggest problem with the 90s anime for me, which I love the 90s anime. Every version of Sailor Moon, I have something negative to say about it, but I love all these versions like from the bottom of my heart. So even like when I watch the 90s anime and I have to pause the episode to rant at my husband for 40 minutes, like I still love that episode. I just also have a lot of issues with that episode, which poor David, that happens so often. <laughs> but um... Yeah, I don't know. There's just, like, all these weird changes they made, but it was to make the episodes last longer, because there's, like, 40-something chapters of the manga, I think. Either way, not 200. Okay. There are are 200 episodes of the anime, so some things kind of had to be stretched out. Yeah. And by some things, I mean all of them. So it kind of turned from a, we're going to deal with this major celestial threat and, like, develop as characters into a Monster of the Week show, where... So there's a sexy lady stoplight. Let's fight it. <laughs> yeah, that's been fun to listen to on on Sailor Business. Um, oh yeah, S has both the worst of it and the best of it. I I can't even be mad at those sexy monsters because they're so stupid. My favorite is still the sexy scarf. <laughs> it's, there's an episode where Makoto kind of falls in love with Sailor Uranus. I don't blame her, but she like. Uh, Uranus wraps like her wound with a na- with like this little handkerchief, so and Makoto's all heartstruck, and then the handkerchief turns into a monster, oh, and it's literally as you do. yeah, it's a handkerchief with a demon face on it, and it's under a car, and she tries to grab it, but it like grabs her back, and she freaks out, and when it comes out of the car from under the car, it's got sexy lady legs, and it runs away, <laughs> and Makoto didn't just kill it immediately. Nope. She was just kind of like, oh, that was weird. I guess I'll go back to what I was doing. And I was just like, no, that scarf got up and sexily ran away. There's a problem. Please go get your teammates and take care of it. <laughs> and then towards the end of the episode, it takes off the scarf and it's just straight up a sexy lady with nothing scarf-like about her. Also, in the 90s anime, like, they're stealing people's pure hearts using like, these little star tattoos. And hers is straight up on her boob. So she just, like, flashes Makoto and steals her heart. Yep. Oh, fun times. Um, yeah, this is, this is the same season of the anime where the manga is dealing with, like, this father who almost killed his child and then turned her into a host for an alien. So, I guess in the overarching, you know, we have that whole Monster of the Week expansion. Um, what happens with some of those major beats? Like, I know I know, we said kind of the first season pretty well lines up. Um, I think, I guess one of the bigger ones is that people don't die at the end of the first season? Uh, they do die, and then they come back They come back, and they don't have their memories, so then there's, like, this filler 15 episodes or so with um, the Doom Tree and, like, the two people, what is it, Alan and Anne? Yeah. The, yeah, they're 100% made up. That's the filler for, like, Naoko Takeuchi, please draw the manga faster, we're running out of material. 
But yeah, so they kind of had like these filler episodes because the girls lost all their memories. So then they have to like replenish their memories and like reawaken them. And it actually kind of ends up a bit more bittersweet because they're all finally getting to enjoy their life. And they're like, oh, I can finally do all this stuff. And Luna's just like, nope, here's your memories. You're sad again. (laughs) But yeah, those those episodes are super hard. Like even watching them with my husband, like he doesn't know anything about Sailor Moon. He started watching it, the 90s anime with me 100% fresh. Like he just knew he's like, you're obsessed with it. I know nothing about it. Until you found out I've never seen it, and now you're angry and I have to watch everything. (laughs) So when we started watching the 90s anime, he's like, oh, this is cool. I kind of like this. And we got to those episodes. He's like, these feel useless. I'm like, because they are. And then when I was listening to Sailor Business, they had the same issue where they're like, I just, I remember liking these episodes, but they don't matter. They're just filler and they feel like filler and like not the fun filler with a sexy scarf monster. The boring kind of filler where it's just people getting their memories back and you're really frustrated. So kind of jumping down, I know I know Chibiusa kind of has a little bit of different arc in, in her major appearance in R. Um, that she's just more of a brat who is questionably 5 or 900. And they, they leave out the 900 thing 100% of the anime. Yeah, that's, that's just something you have to make the supposition about when you realize what's going on in the, in the Neo Tokyo land. Um, then we keep scrolling through and it, it feels like even the, the new scouts in S are very different people. Yeah. Like they're still kind of the same. They're a lot more jerky in like an S versus the manga arc. Like, in the manga arc, you can tell they're conflicted, like, they like Usagi, but they just, they have to do their mission, so they don't want her in the way, like, they don't want her hurt, and there is, like, a point in the manga where, like, they finally accept Usagi's help, and, like, the first thing Usagi does when she sees her okay is, like, run over and hug Haruka, which this whole time Haruka's been, like, shoving her away, so, like, when Haruka finally hugs her back, you're just kind of like, oh, you guys are part of the team now, but the manga, the anime is definitely much more, like, I'm just going to show up on a motorcycle and flirt with everyone, be a jerk, then leave. <laughs> and Which I is guess, also great, just in a different way. <laughs> I guess since we're talking about changes, and especially in S, um, that kind of brings up a big one that is more of a change in translation, where instead of uh, two girlfriends, we have uh, cousins. Oh, yeah. This is, when I was a kid, this is when I stopped watching the dub. Because at this point, I'd already downloaded, like, the Japanese version of the show and the manga. So, like, I went into S knowing they were girlfriends. And the second the dub said they were cousins, I just got so angry. Just tiny 12-year-old me, like, no. Usagi would be totally okay with this. She's the guardian of love and justice. Why would they not make them girlfriends? She protects everyone's love. This is stupid. I'm mad. I'm gonna watch the Japanese version. (laughs) But yeah, they definitely, it's very famous in the Cloverway dub. They go from being girlfriends to cousins, but all the subtext is definitely still there. So they're just creepy cousins. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, I think they ended up worse there, kind of overall. Yeah. It's like the 90s anime in the Japanese version, like they weren't as heavy handed with it in the manga. Like the manga, they live together. They're, everyone's like, oh, look, those two are dating. Everyone look. Did you guys see? They're dating. All right, cool. Everyone knows. 
Whereas, uh, like, in the 90s anime, they're kind of a bit more coy about it. Like, oh, are those two together? Oh, who knows? But then, like, you see them interact and them flirt with all the other girls, and you're like, oh, no, yeah, that's totally there. <laughs> so then when you watch it with the, cousin, with the cousin subtext, you're just kind of like, oh, oh, no. Oh, you guys are cousins? Oh, this is, no, this isn't okay. Not okay, yeah. Um, so moving down the line into stuff that, uh, and I'm less familiar with the anime. Um, what does the anime do with uh, Super S and, very briefly again, Stars? Uh, Super S, it's it's boring. It's okay. the worst. Uh, what was happening with Super S is Sailor Moon wasn't doing very well with ratings. Like as good as Super like S is the best season of the '90s anime. It's great, even with the changes and all the silly, sexy monsters. It's it stands on its own two feet. It's really solid and just fun to watch. And, like, the whole ending thing with Mistress Nine is mostly intact and still really, like, emotional and really cool. And then you get to Super S and there's like, oh, Sailor Moon's not doing very well in ratings. Who's popular in Japan? Chibiusa. Let's make this a Chibiusa season. So every episode's basically about Chibiusa and Pegasus, and then everyone else is kind of also there. Oh. Yeah. Oh. People are going to love that. Um, yeah, I, I'm so sorry when Jordan gets there. He's not going <laughs> to like it. As David, David's favorite Sailor Scout, my husband, his favorite Sailor Scout is Chibiusa. He loves her. And we're in Super S right now rewatching it, and he hates it. He's not happy. Like, the first episode, he's like, oh, cool, a Chibiusa scene. And, like, a few episodes later, he's like, how's this like in the manga? Is this better in the manga? Should I watch this with you when we get to Crystal? <laughs> I was like, oh, you like Chibiusa, and even you're having a hard time with this season. And so what's kind of the biggest shift in Stars, then? Stars is one of those... Remember, uh, there was a point in the Harry Potter musical... Or not, not Harry Potter musicals. The Harry Potter movies, where they realized that they should stay closer to the books, but they had already omitted so many characters and changed so many things in earlier movies that they got to parts in the last two movies where like, oh, we didn't introduce that character. Oh, just skip around it. Yeah. That's kind of how stars felt. Like, it felt like they were trying to be more true to the manga, but then they would just reach a moment where we were like, all right, but not that part, because that part's bananas. And then they got to the end where they're like, oh, well, we needed all those bananas. Oh, we needed all of it, and now now we don't know what to do. I guess they'll just have a fight. Yeah, they'll just have a fight, and she'll get married. Uh, it's over. <sighs> okay. Ugh. Yeah, and I think I mentioned the whole Sailor Cosmos thing. Cosmos doesn't show up at all, and they just kind of, they don't mention the fact that all this, uh, the evil Sailor Scouts that have shown up are from other planets, like all that's left out, so the Luna being both a cat and a people is also kind of glossed over, and I actually, I don't think you see their human forms in the anime, except for one of the movies, you see huh. Lunas, but that movie is also terrible. Okay. It's, I think it's the S movie. Yeah, it's the S movie. Luna falls in love with a human, and then an ice lady shows up. Okay. that Yeah, no, that seems reasonable. Um, yeah. So, fairly... I, we covered a lot... We touched on the anime a lot last time also, kind of just immediate differences between characters and things. So, um, we're going to kind of bump on a little bit, and we're going to talk about something that, to my mind, I think is probably one of the weirdest entries in the whole series. Um it just kind of in presentation and medium and what it does. Um, this is going to be the uh, Pretty Garlity and Sailor Moon stage musicals. 
They're great. Well, four of them are great. Uh, the, uh, the stage musicals, oh, they're so weird. Uh, they've been around since the late 90s, so, like, when the Sailor Moon anime was super popular, they started them, and then they kept going, basically until around the time Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon, the live-action TV show, started. And they were just a variety of quality and content, <laughs> and they were all just kind of, like, I think I mentioned the manga is for, like, teenagers. The anime is very clearly not for teenagers. It's a bit more younger. And the musicals were almost even younger than the anime audience. Like, I think some of the old musicals start with, like, if you have a toy, please turn off the sound. Like, it's it's for the... It's for babies. Oh, wow. So a lot of them are just very silly and over the top and just kind of vaguely stick to one of the plots like i think the dra one of the dracula musicals is basically s so like tomoe is there and like the witch is five and the outer scouts but then there's dracula and i don't know what's happening <laughs> yeah and there's like two dracula musicals um there's one that's basically a scooby-doo episode where it's every single scout and they get lost in the woods while they're camping and it's like them just running around and doing something weird that one's actually kind of fun, but it's very I was about bizarre. To say, that sounds good. That sounds that sounds like a quality episode of Scooby Doo. <laughs> but yeah, it's like them running around and there's monsters everywhere and they're all scared and it's super cute. But yeah, and um, after like 2005, the musicals just kind of faded away because they're ha like 2004 is when the TV show started that was the live action one. It ran for like 50 something episodes and disappeared. So then, then there's just like a gap in Sailor Moon stuff. So they just kind of stopped doing the musicals. And then when the 20th anniversary happened back in 2013, 14, mm -hmm. they started. Or I guess it might have been around. The 20th anniversary has been happening for like five years at this point. <laughs> I think they should just change it to the 25th anniversary. So I remember I... the manga came out in like 2011, the new releases of the manga. But then they just kind of keep celebrating, anyways. <laughs> So, but so yeah, they, they announced a new musical, and it's uh, Takarazuka musicals, which means everyone is played by a woman. If it's a male character, it's a woman. Everyone's a woman, and they're the best. <laughs> <laughs> so they've done they've done what six of those now? Uh, for those, they've done they just did their fourth one. There is okay. um, these they're doing them. They're pretty faithful to the manga, but they're also still translating it for the medium. Mm -hmm. which is cool so like they'll switch up a few details to like make it more interesting for a play or if they a character needs more screen time they'll switch that character's uh dynamic with like another character just so they can do something cool for once yeah so they did uh la reconquista which is the dark moon kingdom the dark yeah the dark kingdom saga uh-huh which that one's great uh, the Shinteno are a boy band, and they try to steal- they successfully steal Usagi's, um, energy with a video game. That seems right, yeah. Yeah, because it starts with there's a video game, like, conference, and everyone's allowed to come in and play video games, and they give away free video games. And the other four scouts are like, this is obviously a trap. And Usagi's like, I stayed up all night playing video games, and now I can't transform. Don't be <laughs> mad at me. <laughs> But yeah, it just goes through the beats of the Dark of the Dark Kingdom saga, but like they take away obvious things like the cats aren't there, so Mamaru's kind of acting like the mentor, so he's 
which is cool. And it's uh, Yamada Yuga, who is the only Mamaru who matters. She's amazing. <laughs> like, there's a whole thing in Japan, like, when you listen to the musicals, like, everyone, when they're clapping, it's like, so quiet. And they're, everyone's silent, like, no one really, like, laughs or anything. But the second uh, Yuga walks out, everyone's applauding. And, like... <laughs> No matter what, like if it's her third appearance on stage, everyone still claps for her. <laughs> so, so a quality loved actress. Oh yeah, oh she's the best. Actually, uh, the whole cast for uh, La Reconquista and then Petita Stranger is the second one, which is the Dark Moon Saga, and then Noi Voyage, which is the Deathbusters. All of those had the same cast for okay. the Inner Senshi, and they're kind of my quintessential Inner Senshi now. They were all great. And then with the fourth musical, which is Amor Eternal, they switched them out. And I'm trying really hard to like the new guys, but it's kind of like the Doctor Who syndrome of like, you're not my doctor, you're new. I don't like you, you're different. Yeah, no, I understand. I, I get that. Yeah. Um, sorry, I just, I'm my brain is replaying the gif of, of her just twirling the cape, and it's oh, gotten me man. stuck. Look, uh, she, it's so fair to get distracted by her. She's... <laughs> beautiful and her and uh satomi okobo who is the the asagi from the first three musicals they have such great chemistry every time they're on screen they're on stage together i'm like no i believe it you guys are destined moon lovers you guys look like you're in love i buy every moment of it (laughs) and so these are these are not just like a stage adaptation they are a musical adaptation right so there's full song and dance choreographed numbers happening Yep, and they're amazing. Um, they're actually, like, they do this really good job of balancing, like, both the fun aspects of Sailor Moon and, like, the really dark stuff. Like, I'm going to touch on Petita Stranger, because it's my favorite of the four. Again, it's the Dark Moon uh, clan saga, and there's actually the whole scene with Pluto dying, and the woman they got to play Pluto is amazing. She has a great voice. It was the first time she was ever cast in a musical, and there's a song called Who Goes There, where it's when they first meet Pluto. And she's, like, basically just singing about, like, why someone, it, this is who I am. It's, like, an introductory song for Sailor Pluto. But she's also, like, announcing that someone's entered her realm. And she's just like, I'm the guardian of time. Don't step up, up on my territory or I will fight you. <laughs> and, like, she just sings it so powerfully. And, like, right away you're just like, oh, Sailor Pluto, you're awesome. But then there's also songs where, like, um... The kind of the putties of the Dark Moon clan are something called droids, which they're robots that are like made to perfectly like mimic other people. And there's this number where they uh, make mimics of all the Sailor Scouts and it's all the Sailor Scouts fighting all their mimics. But it's also their introductory song, which every musical has. It's called uh, Line Up the Five Women of the White Moon. And it's just like. They all come out one by one and, like, announce themselves and do a song and dance number. But this one is, like, it's like Mercury comes out. She's like, I'm the first to arrive. I'm the guardian of this, this, and this, doing my thing. And, like, she mentioned, she's like, I can finally sing this time because the first musical she didn't get to. Aww. (laughs) She got kidnapped. There was a whole plot. It was really sweet. But then, like, her evil version comes out and starts to, like, steal the sage. And she's just straight up like, hey, this is my first time I get to sing. Get out of here. You're stealing my spotlight. And she goes to attack her. And she's like, oh, I can't. She looks too much like me. And she's like, oh, well, I could do it. And she attacks her. Then Mars will come out. And it's hilarious. Mars comes out. And she's got one of the exercise demon things, like, printed on her thing. And she's like, I made it myself. And then she just starts fighting. And when Jupiter comes out to help everyone... The first thing she does is headbutt the person, the, the fake Sailor Jupiter, 
And then, like, it makes a bell sound and starts, like, they start pro-wrestling. And everyone in the background is like, (gasps) pro-wrestling! It's the best. I love this scene. And then when Venus and the fake Venus come out, instead of fighting, they're both just singing and dancing. And the fake Venus is, like, trying to keep up with the real Venus. And everyone in the background is just like, they're harmonizing. Well, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> and it's just like this little like eight minute scene that just like perp- that just shows perfectly who all these characters are. Like reintroduces you to them, and it's hilarious. <laughs> but then later in the se- later in the show, Sailor Pluto dies and sings a song called "Not Loneliness," and it's on shuffle on my car, and sometimes it turns against me. Oh, it's the saddest song. So. Similar to those is uh, kind of the next thing we're looking at. It's another live action. Uh, you mentioned it a minute ago. Uh, it's Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon. Basically the uh, Power Rangers-esque adaptation. Yep. It's perfect. Okay. Don't, don't listen to anyone that says it's terrible. They're wrong. It's All great. Right. It's terrible, but they're wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, that's Power Rangers, right? Power yeah. Rangers is awful, but it's fantastic. It's, Yeah. Yeah, like, I'll talk to people, they're like, oh, but, like, Luna's a puppet. I'm like, and so? It's hilarious. There's a puppet talking to an actual person. And they, a... switch out, they switch out her eyes so she'll look angry. And then, like, sometimes it's a bad CGI cartoon trying to look like the puppet. And then sometimes it's, like, a stuffed animal that you can just tell someone off screen is throwing at Usagi. <laughs> the first time you meet Luna, I have a gif of this, and I love it so much. She's just, like, walking, doing her thing, and just, like, the stuffed animal just lands on her face, and she just starts freaking out. And, like, it's so terrible, but it's also great, and I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> So, I think this one, kind of out of all these that we're that we're really looking at, has all, some of the most differences from any of the yeah. core material. Um, so, what kind of happens there? Because I know there's some real big changes that happen. Yeah, it's kind of there's moments where like it's very close to the manga, but then there's other moments where like they kind of go off and do their own thing. So it's kind of like this weird like pocket corner of Sailor Moon and it's exclusively the Dark Kingdom saga, but then they'll like put in a little touches of other things just to like give it a new spin and like the Shintendo are there the whole time and all of them get to have like more personality and you actually get to see them kind of deal with being conflicted that they're being used for evil but they slowly start to remember that they are supposed to be there for Mamaru and so like that's all cool and um but yeah it's it kind of sticks to the basics and then there's like every once in a while they'll sprinkle something new that will just make it more interesting like there's um uh they do a lot of stuff with Amy and it's Amy is so good in this show but they kind of manipulate her into the dark lady role, or yeah, the black lady role, and she turns into Dark Mercury, which is really cool because it's basically just one of those. She realizes that she's kind of antisocial and like she doesn't feel like she belongs with all of her friends because Usagi's so like energetic and happy, and like there's this whole thing where like Usagi will call everyone immediately. She's like, oh, you're Amy, the Ch- Ami Chan. There's Mako Chan, Minako Chan, Rei Chan, but Amy still calls her Skino-san. Like, she won't call her by her first name. She's very formal with everyone. And there's an episode where she tries to be more, like, lighthearted and more like Usagi. And she just kind of exhausts herself because she's still trying to study and, like, do all of her doctory stuff. But she's also trying to, like, hang out and do girl stuff with Usagi and Naru. And, like, 
it kind of boils down at the end of the episode. Usagi's like, you don't have to change who you are to, like, I still like you. It's okay. You can be yourself. I'm totally, I'd rather you do that than, like, fake it. Like, you don't have to call me Usagi-chan. I'm fine with Skino-san. And then, like, later in the season, they kind of manipulate her feelings of loneliness, not belonging, and turn her into Dark Mercury and do the whole, like, Black Lady art, but with, uh, Ami. And it's more personal to Usagi, and it's really sweet. Also, she looks super cool. She's yeah. got, like, a big black bow and, like, all this, like, black detail stuff on her costume. <laughs> and they also, um, from what from what I read, they kind of also do the Sailor Saturn role and thrust that onto uh, Princess Serenity in her yeah. princess, right? Yeah, there's this weird form she gets called uh, Princess Sailor Moon, where it's kind of a mix of, like, she look, she has some elements of, like, Super Sailor Moon and some elements of Eternal Sailor Moon, but then she is also kind of basically Sailor Saturn and, um... Yeah, it's just when Usagi gets so overwhelmed with stuff from her past and, like, she thinks Mamaru is dead and she's just very upset, Princess Sailor Moon comes out and she's just vengeful. Like, she shows up with a sword and starts blowing things up and then just, like, sits on a rock playing a harp. She's like, everything I care about is dead. I don't care. I'm going to start attacking everyone. And everyone's like, this is a problem. We can't let this exist. (laughs) And that's the like I, I was reading somewhere that the kind of the backstory on that one they they touch on it more than they do in the anime where it's very clear that you know Mamoru died back in the Silver Millennium or I guess Endymion and then uh, you know Yasaki basically wiped the world out when she yeah. died because yeah, of they- that. <laughs> Yeah, they kind of gave her both the role of, like, the sad princess mourning her lover and, like, Queen Serenity's role of just, like, well, we'll just start over. So they kind of just put that into one. So now she's just, like, sad and vengeful. It's just really interesting. Also, they actually got Naoko Takeuchi to to design the new outfit for Princess Serenity. So it looks really cool. Like, she's all frilly and covered with pearls and, like, looks really delicate. But then she whips out a sword and blows people up. Nice. So, so what are some of the other bigger changes? Like, I know there's one about Venus. Oh, yeah. They 100% change Venus, which kind of bums me out. Like, I like what they did with it. It's cool and it's new and it's interesting. But they also still kind of missed the mark of manga Minako. And it's just one of those I'm like, after the 90s anime burned me, I was hoping you guys would have my back. But she's still a totally different character. And um, she's off doing her own thing. And she's already an idol, which is what Minako wanted to be in every other version. So she's already an idol, like, Usagi's a big fan of her. There's a song called Say La Vie, which took me forever to realize that she's saying Sailor V in. And I was like, oh, that's clever. And took me about eight years to notice. <laughs> but yeah, you'll hear, you if you watch one episode of that, of that series, you're going to hear that song over <laughs> and over and over. Oh, God. Got their money's worth out of it. All right. Oh, God. Yeah, it just, it becomes P- uh, like PTSD at one point, because, like, the three girls, uh, Mercury, Moon, and Mars, like, come together as a team using that song. And, like, by that time, by that episode, I was just like, if I hear the song one more time, I swear to God. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so Minako's just, she's very distant, and she's very cold, and she doesn't want to be a part of their team because she doesn't think Usagi is a strong leader. Like, every time she sees Usagi, she's like, you can't be the princess. You're you're useless. So, she, ne- like, she joins the team, but she never really joins the team. She always kind of stays 
very far away from everyone. And then, like, towards the end, she dies? Like, you find out she's sick, and that's why she doesn't want to hang out with everyone, so then she dies, and, like, gives all of her powers to Mars, so Mars is, like, using both of hers, and everyone's just kind of like, oh, Venus. I'm like, she didn't do anything. She was just mad at you guys all the time. <laughs> so, yeah, they kind of missed the mark with her yet again, but, I don't know, it was still enjoyable within that environment. Like, I believed it for that story, but there's still part of me that's just like, I just want happy, fun, silly Minako that's really selfish and too loud. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> and I guess kind of the final thing on, on Pretty Guardian is um, they added a postscript to this one uh, in that special act that they did. Uh, oh, Yeah. That was uh, just all Yusaki and Mamoru's wedding day that goes right to hell. Yeah, and, like, some villain shows up, and she's really over the top and, like, in, like, the stupidest outfit. Like, she looks like a Power Rangers human villain that didn't quite translate from the (laughs) Sentai footage into the new actress they got for the American version. And, oh, God. Yeah, that one's a mess. There's a lot of things in Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon that's a mess, but, like, it's very special to me, and I don't like when people are mean to it. I'm like, look, it's trying its hardest. Leave it leave it alone. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's shift over to the newest thing, and something that's, um, I guess I really haven't heard a whole lot of negative about it. This is Sailor Moon Crystal. Oh, I'm very impressed if you haven't heard anything negative about Crystal. I Everything I've heard is that it's much truer to the anime, and seems to be a more faithful adaptation is everything I've heard. Chris, the first two seasons of Crystal were rough. They weren't good. Okay. Like, it was one of those... Again, I still love it. I love it so much, I cried during the first episode because I was just <laughs> so excited to have new Sailor Moon. But um, it was plagued with problems. And they only just recently fixed it with season three, which is, like, near perfection. It's so good. But yeah, the first two seasons, because like, they, again, since it's a new anime, they had to do new character designs, and like, I, re- I still remember the day they announced all the new character designs, I lost my mind, I was so excited, and then like, looking back at them now, I'm like, no, these were really bad character designs, like, they're really stiff, the lines are too thick, like, there's too much detail, and it showed a lot in the animation, that it's, huh, seasons one and two of Crystal are very famously terrible looking for animation. Like, you can just Google it and you'll find some really terrible drawings because um, there's a new way of doing anime that I don't particularly like. I get why they do it, but it's not good, which is why the first two seasons of Crystal turned out looking so garbage. It's, um, they basically pump it out as fast as they possibly can and throw it online for free, and then they will redo it for the Blu-ray and actually make money. Huh. Yeah, they they do it. They did it for like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I think they did it for uh, DBZ Super, and a few other like it's apparently just the way they do things now. Cause like to have anime available to like everyone in the world, they just kind of put it online for free. So they're not making money off of it. So they're like, oh, just basically give them glorified storyboards, and we'll deal with it. And we'll fix it in post. Oh gosh. So in the first two seasons, they had, it was the worst in season one. Like there were some drawings in there that was like, oh god, famously season or er, episode three when Mars came in, like they kept being like, Mars is so pretty, look at her. Then it cut to Mars. You're like, oh god, oh that drawing. <laughs> 
They were like, oh god, it's so bad. And there's like a famous picture of Usagi where like her face looks like an ice cream cone or like Mercury where her eyes are like not lined up right. And she's like, all I'm good at is study. And we're like, oh, all right, you know what? I don't think you're a person. (laughs) Okay. And yeah, and there was a bunch of like, the biggest issues for me were there were pacing issues because they adapted it too faithfully. So like it felt like manga pacing, but it was a TV show. Okay. It's kind of like how you don't want a comic book directly translated to, like, a TV show or a movie because there's things that work in the pacing for, like, a 22-page comic that doesn't really work for an hour-and-a-half-long movie. Yeah. Yeah, so they kind of ran into problems with that where, like, parts of the episodes felt too slow, other parts felt too rushed, and then, like, the episodes would just end. And Hmm. once I got it on Blu-ray, I binge-watched it all. And it's actually a lot better if you binge watch it. Okay. Because the pacing's just that messed up. If you just keep watching it, it's fine. Okay. But yeah, then season two got a little bit better. They fixed some of the animation issues and they fixed some of the pacing problems. And again, I finally got my Pluto sacrifice and it was the best looking episode of the season because it's when they switched art directors. Nice. Yeah, because halfway through season two, they kind of realized that everyone hated season one. And they're just like, oh no. We have to fix this now. Uh, fire the art director and get a new one. So then suddenly the last two episodes of Crystal Season 2 looked amazing. Okay. Yeah, there's like some solid animation in there. And just like, it was really heartwarming. And like, it just, you got more invested. And then Season 3 came out and they completely just gave it like a new facelift. And it's got a new animation style that's a lot like cleaner and simpler that works much better with the type of animation they're going for. It was basically like looking at... X and Y Pokemon versus Sun and Moon Pokemon for the anime. Gotcha. Where it's just, everything suddenly became much more simplified, and, like, they were able to get a lot better animation out of it, so it was a lot more engaging, and the pacing was so much better. Nice. But yeah, it's definitely a lot closer to the manga. Than... Okay. And and what point are they at now with Season 3? What's that take us up through? Uh, season 3 was the Deathbusters arc, so we got Uranus and Neptune and Pluto back, Okay. And we're still waiting to hear more about season four, which I'm interested to see how they translate all that <laughs> and make it good this time. All right. So still kind of a lot to look forward to on that on yeah. that front. And uh, I guess we're going to we're going to kind of start wrapping up here a little bit. Um, open open question here. So outside of the stuff we've talked about, what are a few other Sailor Moon things that just really need to be looked at if this is something you're interested in? And if you say Sailor Moon drops with that stupid crying Usagi every time you fail, I'm going to be very unhappy because that game is break my phone frustrating. No, no, I agree. Right now they have an event that's uh, Super Sailor Moon and Super Sailor Moon is my favorite form of Usagi. So like anytime Super Sailor Moon shows up, I'm like, I need it. I need it right now. But I'm really bad at this game and it's very hard. So I don't think I'm going to get it. And I'm just trying so hard. I'm just full of vengeance. As I want to break my phone and just have her <laughs> pop out, but that's not the way the game works. So like every day, like poor David, he's just like, "Hey, do you want to do something?" And I'm just sitting there with my phone in my face. I'm like, "Hold on, I have five more days to try and get Super Sailor Moon. So just don't talk to me for five days, and we'll just see where I am. And if I end up with Super Sailor Moon, I'll be very happy. But I probably won't, and I'll be very sad." <laughs> so- but um. At- as of other things to do for Sailor Moon, I think we kind of covered all the major parts. Like, whenever I recommend Sailor Moon, 
I have a hard time, like, I always just want to tell everyone to watch all of it, which is, which is a lot. Yeah. So I'll usually just be like, watch Crystal. And I know a bunch of people are there, like, don't watch seasons one and two. Just go straight to three. I'm like, no, watch seasons one and two, because they're still very, they're still good stories. They just didn't handle it very well with the pacing and the animation, which does look better on Blu-ray. Yeah. So I will say, if you watch it, the version that's not free online... Sadly, the version you have to pay money for actually is watchable. All right. That makes sense, also, yeah. if anyone listens to the IT crowd, the, or watches the IT crowd, the new voice for Nephrite sounds like Douglas Renum. And it just cracks me up every time he's on screen, because I don't know if you've seen IT crowd, but he's just like this weird perverted boss. <laughs> but, but he's got this very deep, distinctive voice. And every time Nephrite shows up and talks in the new dub, I just lose my mind because he sounds like him. <laughs> So what else is there? I know, um, oh man, it might have been this last weekend, uh, Sailor Moon R was out in theaters. Yep. Yeah, there's uh, there's three movies that go along with the anime. They they kind of don't fit anywhere, but they're kind of just there. Like, the R movie is about Mamaru's secret boyfriend. Uh, the S movie is about Luna falls in love with a human. And then the Super S movie is... Uh, Chibi Usa makes a friend, but he also works on this ship that steals sleeping children. Well, like you do, yeah. Yeah. So they're all just basically, like, extended episodes that are kind of weird, but, I don't know, they're kind of just, like, fun, because it's just, like, condensed Sailor Moon. Like, the Sailor Moon R movie is probably my least favorite of the three, but it's the one that gets me the most emotional, because it's, like, the most concentrated Sailor Moon in, like, an hour and a half. Because, like, the opening's just like, look, we're all friends, and it's great, and everything's great, and look, everything's just as Sailor Moon as it can possibly be. And I've actually had to, I've missed it in theaters, because it was playing at a theater in Atlanta that I just, I hate, and I didn't want to go to. So I was like, eh, sorry. I'll just watch it on DVD. And the more I think of it, the more I'm just like, I could have dealt with it. I could have dealt with going on Ponce. <laughs> but now there's like all the marches. So part of me is just like, oh, no, I don't want to go into Atlanta while there's marching going on. No. Well, I think that's going to wrap up this side of, of things. Um, any last thoughts? Uh, I don't know. Probably just... All my personal feelings about Sailor Moon and how much it mattered to, like, a little kid that didn't feel like she felt she belonged in any of the cutouts that were available for little girls. And Sailor Moon was, like, the first one to, like, treat girls like characters instead of just being like, here's a bunch of dudes and one girl that's wearing a pink bow. That's the only one you have to relate to. Good luck, I guess. And this was the first one where it's like, here's a whole cast of girls. They're all different. Pick one that you relate to. And, like, just go from there. Have fun. It's great. And and kind of one of the overarching themes of this whole thing is is a, kind of a level of self-acceptance, right? Yeah. There's, like, um... Sailor Moon's probably, like, the most perfect form of weaponized femininity for me, where it's just kind of, like, <laughs> all their weapons are just, like, the everything when people think of, like, oh, this is a feminine trait and, like, it can't be used aggressively... But Sailor Moon, like, takes all the, like, just caring about friends and being kind and being patient, and that's her weapon. And there's just something about, like, a character showing up with a big rod covered in hearts and just in, like, the freeliest outfit that you could ever imagine and just slaughtering enemies because she loves her friends so much. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just, you don't, like, I didn't see that anywhere else when I was a kid. I was just like, this is like, it's literally the most girliest thing that could ever be put on television, but they're using it in a way that I haven't seen before, and it just, they're cool, and it's <laughs> great. Because there's definitely a while when I was a kid where, like, I hated anything that was girly because everyone wanted me to be girly, so I just immediately went, no, I'm gonna be a tomboy. So now I have to do everything that boys do, even though I still want to play with my Barbies. But I also want Barbie to just hang out with my Power Ranger toys and with my Star Wars toys. And I, I, I just have to pick one, though. And Sailor Moon was the first thing they were like, you can do it both. You can have all of it. You can, you can have all these, like, classically f- female ideals and then go kill a monster with all your best friends, and you guys will have a cool ladies' night that involves you saving the universe. And punch a guy and fry him with electricity. Yep. <laughs> well, awesome. Shannon, thanks so much for coming back on for these two weeks. Um, this has been a lot of fun and very educational. No problem. I can <laughs> always talk about Sailor Moon. <laughs> all right. Well, one more time, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you online? All right, you can find me on Twitter at Shannon Maynard. You can find me on Tumblr at shannonmaynardart.tumblr.com. You can find my store uh, at store in, uh, Uh You can also find another podcast I'm on called The Cool Kids Table on Twitter at CKTCast. We're on iTunes and whatever places you can find podcasts that I didn't look up between these two weeks. <laughs> but it's, if you want to find it, you can find it. You can find us on the internet at fifthdraw.com, follow us on Twitter at fifthdraw, or email us at social at fifthdraw.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Hoodley. If you enjoyed this episode, why not give us a rating and a review, or maybe tell a friend? Getting the word out helps us immensely. Our music is Arcade Montage by Lee Rosevere and can be found at the Free Music Archive. That's all for this week. We hope you'll join us next week for another episode. And hey, thanks for listening. <laughs>